Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Caught up early today with Daniel Warach, who is the VP at StepGoal. They talked to us uh, as to why they missed their targets for last year, what they're going to do in terms of delivering their phase two operation and how they're going to fund it uh, this year. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, the company itself, and indeed Anil, you can find that at crossinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including goals. We've got training courses to help you with your diligence process. We've got summaries of interviews. In fact, all of our interviews just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, uh, free from judgment, trolling or abuse, join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Anil, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Good, how are you? Matt. Yeah, all good, all good here. Where in the world are you? I'm in Toronto right now. Um, safe and sound in the office. Uh, still in a predicament here with the lockdown, but uh, I could see the lights uh, at the end of the tunnel here. Good man, good man. Get, getting on with the business or running the business, that's what yeah. we like. Hey, so um, we are going to hear uh, your story today, Step Up. We've not spoken before and not heard the, the company story before, so I'm looking forward to it. But get, uh, we're just going to start off with a one-minute overview for people new to the story, uh, and then I'll pick it up with some questions from there. Absolutely. So Step Gold, listen on the main board of the TSX. We are a Mongolia-focused precious metals company. Um, we brought production online for the first time in April 2020, so last year, just under a year ago. So we're now a, go- a new gold and silver producer that's producing from a heat bleach phase one, expanding into a phase two CIL plant and flotation circuit in short order, and lots of expiration uh, potential on both of our licenses, which we'll get into, I'm sure, later. Fantastic. And you've done that relatively quickly. I mean, when did you guys go public? May 2018, we went public. Uh, actually, the only mining mainboard IPO on the TSX for that year. So in a very tough time, we we, we scrambled and, and got the capital uh, for a Mongolia um, company, which was obviously wasn't uh, easy either. No. Well, I mean, to, to that point, not many Mongolian companies on the TSX, the uh, or anywhere, quite frankly, it, it seems. So um, that was and tough times, 2018, as you say. So, I mean, how much money did you raise then? 25 million uh, Canadian. Right. At what price? At two dollars, so the two dollar unit offering. Right. Uh, so it came with 234 warrant. So, uh, I guess for investors who are new to the story, they haven't really missed the boat because we raised the money two and a half years ago at two dollars when gold was 600, 700 dollars less. We hadn't built the mine, so we had permitting, capex, finance, build risk, uh, and roll around. Now we're a cash flowing company, uh, and and not much, uh, not much higher than our listing price. But that's that's okay because we have cash flow in our own cash now. Right. Okay. I mean, yeah. I guess it's been a difficult period for people who kind of came in, came in then, because your company wasn't worth a whole bunch of beans then. But the, I guess the excitement was there. Um, you are a producer now, so it's a case of playing catch up. Is that is that the idea? Exactly. Exactly. So you can play catch up, and you don't have to pay for it. Meaning we don't have to raise equity uh, to get to a higher valuation. So it's a it's a nice feeling to finally have, and and we haven't had that in, in, since listing. To be honest, we started with catch. We had a. Uh, a fund who, who immediately had to start liquidating because of their own uh, liquidity requirements, which, you know, we're always playing catch up from day one, to be honest, in a very tough market with no support. We, you know, we're trading down, then you become an orphan. When you're building a mine, no one cares about you. They say, show us you can build. And then they say, show us you can get the cyanide on site. And then they said, show us you can produce. Show us you can produce for 
two quarters, now three quarters, now four quarters. So we're playing catch up. Uh, it's okay because each quarter of production is means we're generating cash flow, uh, free cash flow, which means we're not at the mercy of the markets anymore. Right. That's, that's a great feeling. But it's not as much as you thought you did last year. You're obviously affected by something. Is it? And I, I guess what I want to know is, is it about is it doing business in Mongolia is tough, or is it COVID related, or was it something under the ground that you weren't expecting? What, what, what happened? I, I think it's a, it's a combination. I mean, we didn't start uh, um, production until April of last year, which is at the height of COVID. Uh, actually, that's one of the most toughest times to bring a mine online. Um, uh, in fact, we, we still we're still happy with the outcome because we still produced. We still produced uh, cash flow, and we did it. What's more importantly, with a hundred percent Mongolian team. Because of COVID restrictions, there were no expats in the country. So uh, I guess there was maybe some conservatism in the way we approach the startup and in this ramp up. Because you know, one of our key guys who, who have built you know eight other heat bleaches around the world and has experience in Mongolia wasn't even in the country. So it's very difficult to go for it and be aggressive like we are. Uh, without you know sometimes that having that, that that person in the country, but we managed we think good uh, fairly well I'd say. When you say you were conservative, you're conservative with the amount that you were able to produce, or you were conservative yeah. with you, what you were saying to the market. What do you mean? Uh, conservative with the amount we were able to produce. So we produced roughly. Obviously, the final numbers haven't come out uh, for the first nine months during startup and ramp up and during COVID. I think we produced roughly about thirty five thousand ounces on the gold equivalent basis at a margin of about $1,000 an ounce. Uh, that's not a bad deal, uh, to be honest. It's not like we've lost production or lost revenue. In a way, you kind of deferred it. Uh, and hopefully that deferral is, will equate to even a higher gold price, but we don't need it. So yeah, conservative on the production uh, that we, we achieved last year. Our target is 50 to 60,000 ounces from this phase one mine. And you know, on nine months, we produced 35,000 ounces. And it was a combination of being conservative on the ground uh, then you have uh, bottleneck issues that you can't uh, foresee, like crushing, for example. So we actually brought a, a second secondary crusher uh, down to the pit, uh, which which helped uh, remove the bottleneck in terms of the crushing and, and, and all that good stuff in the summer. So there's some growing pains that you you can't foresee until you're actually in production. Right. So can we pro rata that 35 for the fourth quarter and give us give us a view of what you're going to achieve for 2020? That'd be a fair thing today. Uh, so, so the thirty-five is the is the is the approximate estimate for all three quarters, so including Q four. So we started production okay. in Q two, so Q two, Q three, and Q four of last year. Okay, uh, so you, you come out. That. Okay, so you you you're twenty twenty five thousand behind where you thought you'd end up for the reasons you've explained, yeah. but you feel that this year you're going to hit your sixty thousand guidance. Yeah, our guidance for this year is fifty to sixty thousand ounces, right. and okay. we're fairly comfortable with that given the amount of material we have already stacked, ready to be processed. Uh, our mining bottlenecks, are, in terms of crushing bottlenecks, are being, being, being addressed. So we're fairly comfortable. It's, it's, it's you know, normal growing pains that you have to you know, hit your stride, which we're almost there, I, I would say. Okay, so you talked about, I think you were referring to Matthew Wood earlier. He's obviously not been in country, but he's been oper he's operated in the country for a yeah. decade or so. Um, yeah. What's he going to do for you this year? Why is it important to have him yeah. on the ground? Uh, we'll have Matt involved. Obviously, uh, you know, he's been there for over a decade, very successfully has uh, built and sold companies, has very strong relationships with uh, you know, the government, with uh, the locals, the skilled labor force. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, he's aggressive, just like me. Our team is aggressive uh, guys. Now that we've now that we've kind of checked the box on step one, no pun intended, but phase one, 
you know, we, we know how to execute again on a, on a gold mine and build one and produce. We can be a much more aggressive with a stronger balance sheet and cash flow behind us. So he's going to, he's going to drive more of the, 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 the growth on expiration. You know, that's something that we haven't had a chance to focus on in the last two years because we've been building our first mine. We're there for a much bigger footprint, a much bigger mine to build in phase two, as well as the potential for new discoveries in Mongolia. So he's going to spend a lot more time now with capital behind us, cash flow, uh, to, to, to really ramp up exploration on both of our properties. Right. Okay. I, I get the desire to kind of get into production quickly because it produces the cash flow, certainly in the environment that, that we saw last year for precious metals generally. Um, but do you feel like you've, you've kind of shortcut a few processes to be able to do that? And that's that explains some of the bottlenecking. I. Yes, I, I think so. I mean, this is this phase one is a, it's a, it's a, it's almost like an agricultural type operation. So it's not complex like phase two or CIL plant and all this good stuff. Um, so yes, but that 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 expediting uh, the phase one allowed us to control our own destiny for phase two, which is the real project. Phase one is only a means to get to the much larger mine underneath. So you know whether it produces two years or four years, that cash flow actually funds the growth and allows us not to be looking at the day to day stock price uh, and, and be worried about when do we have to raise the money and when's this overhang has to be removed. So it gives us more control for, right. for the growth of the company. That's really interesting. I'm just trying to understand the mentality there. So you're saying, right, you, you're happy with some growing pains versus being in control. You've got to weigh up, do we want to be in control of the cash flow versus have some, maybe some growing pains, which, you, which you've talked about and that's fine um, and, and and those are two different styles of, of operating and uh, you know, I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just I want to understand that. Um, so where are you in terms of studies for the next phase, phase two? So phase one, you're in production. Great. This year, 50 to 60,000 ounces, heap leach, cheap. You're making margin. Yep. Good. Phase two, does that is yep. that going to require you to be a little bit more structured in the way that you do it? Because it's, you know, it's CIL. It's yep. a bit more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we're doing a revised bankable feasibility study. It gives you... The, the strength to go to the market as well as to build something. Uh, now we, we bought this project and built it on, you know, an internal feasibility study from Centera. So we were able to shortcut and just build the oxide mine because it wasn't, it wasn't a large capex requirement and, and, and do it. So phase two, yes. So, you know, over the last year, we've commenced that bankable feasibility study. We've taken more samples from our, from our resources. You know, we've also doubled our resource, by the way, from, from over a million, 1.2 million ounces to 2.45 million, which makes, which bulks up phase two. It makes phase two a more of a reality. Uh, so we have additional sample work, we have new flow design, engineering work, all being completed. And in just a few months, by the end of Q2, we'll have that available. And so people can see how uh, more robust of a study uh, we have uh, to back up uh, the expansion there. Okay, and talk to me about the finance thing again. I get the, the money you raised two years ago, two and a half years ago, is one thing. How much money have you raised since then, and what other types of structures have you put in place to allow you to finance what it is that you're doing at the moment? Sure. So after we raised the 25 million Canadian uh, at listing, uh, which is which was kind of you know about 18, 19 million US, you know there was still I would say a shortfall on construction. Construction ended up being you know between. 20 to 25 million US, depending on how you, how you factor in the operations that came online while you're constructing. So we were mining while we were still constructing the, 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 the phase one mine. And, and so uh, I would say about a year, year and a half later, we raised some convertible debentures. Uh, so that was the way that we thought would be the easiest to, to bring in some capital uh, that won't be as restrictive. And, 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 and so that was another circa 8 million US of, of, of financing. 
uh, all those convertible debentures uh, have been um, converted into equity over the last eight months and, and really had uh, minimal impact on our stocks. So there was no overhang because, again, we put in current investors into the convertible debenture. They always had the first right to participate. Given that we traded down from listing, uh, there are obviously the, the, the guys who had the first right to come in, and they, and they did. And then we brought in some Mongolian investors as well at the same time. So that was that was uh, very useful. Uh, helped us get uh, into production. Uh, we raised uh, a small amount of equity um, as well just before production, uh, a couple million dollars. And then uh, the government, uh, the, the newly established sovereign fund of Mongolia, came in for three million US uh, just over a year ago as kind of our last uh, tranche of capital pre-production. Uh, uh, three million US. So it was a great vote of confidence to get their first investment ever into a mining company into us. So that shows you the support we have in the country. I think we're doing things properly, clearly, uh, to get their support. Uh, and so that got us into production. And then we started spinning off, well, first of all, paying off a lot of our deferred uh, liabilities and payables that we, uh, you know, getting into production. And then uh, Eric Sprott was our last uh, tranche of capital that came in. Uh, and Eric Sprott came in last summer after we started production. So once we announced commercial production, uh, Eric came in when we really didn't need the money per se, because uh, we had our own cash and, and, and on our balance sheet and cash flow. However, his his capital provided new eyeballs on the story, further endorsement for Mongolia, our team and our assets and, and the growth potential. And, and more importantly, it bolstered the balance sheet to allow us to be bulletproof that if there were some operational hiccups, delays from July till now, we didn't have to go to the market to raise any capital, and obviously we haven't. And so our balance sheet has has, has strengthened. And, and we'll, I guess we'll never go back to where we were uh, in the last two and a half years, where we're struggling to, you know, uh, to get by. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. Um, and if you, you had to revert to any sort of royalty or streaming deals, uh, so we brought in a streaming uh, deal at the beginning, uh, right at the beginning. So Triple Flag uh, Mining Finance has been have been our partner since 2017. So that as a private company. In 2017, before we listed, we acquired both of our assets. So we acquired this asset for 20 million US. So we bought it for 20 million US and built it for roughly 20 million US, and it actually generated about 25 million US of revenue in its first quarter. It's not a bad, not a bad little structure there, I'd say. So, so Triple Flag came in for both equity and stream, uh, 28 million US of a stream, and between themselves and Elliott Management out of New York, who are also their backers, they've put in seven million of equity. Uh, at two dollars, so that that was also to align uh, their interests as, as our partners, not just a streaming transaction, but they're also equity investors, and, and that bodes well for the market. But I think more importantly is the fact that they actually took on us as their partners. Uh, we are their second deal ever. Their first deal was two hundred fifty million US on a producing mine in South America with a major, and here they're doing a second deal, uh, which is out of their wheelhouse. Their deal, they do, they do 100 to 550 million dollar deal. That's their that's their snack bracket, not 28 million US. So a great endorsement for them to put that time and money to back us uh, earlier on. I would say. Why did they do that? Uh, I think they saw the, the 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 opportunity to have a toehold with the right partners in Mongolia. This is obviously Mongolia is is relatively still underexplored uh, in the precious metal space for sure. We think there's opportunities to, to, to build much bigger company and we obviously have done it before our team has done it before and have a very strong relations in countries so i guess maybe they they wanted to pick a horse or they saw an opportunity to then put maybe a hundred and a couple hundred million dollars to work in the country later on they're, they're patient uh you know so 
this was step one. <laughs> okay. okay. And so what are you, what are you, what are you going to be netting at like today's prices on gold production? So our, our, our uh, approximate uh, all-in costs, I don't have the last quarter's uh, all-in costs, are about $750 US all-in costs. So at today's pricing, we're netting just under $1,000 an ounce. So it's a, it's, a, it's a high margin business, as you can imagine. And this is just phase one, the smaller production profile, that if we did nothing else, we can produce for the next three to four years. So that's the advantage we have this time around than phase one is we'll have this this cash flow machine from surface that only goes down to 40 meters that can go for two years more until we bring phase two online or it could go for four years more in case phase two does take longer through construction delays or procurement delays or whatever. You have a nice cash flow buffer from your own cash machine to, to, to weather that, that storm. So it's a, it's a high margin um, uh, starter mine that roughly I think will be about $700 life of mine. So as we continue to optimize, we're still in startup ramp up first year. I think by Q2 of this year, we'll, we'll kind of, like I said, you know, hit our stride and, and our, our all in cost should be around 700 or maybe even sub $700 right. is our target. And you obviously you're talking about CIL plant in there. So you, there's a bit more CapEx to, to come through. How do you finance that? Yeah. So uh, we've, we've told the market that you know, we were looking at about a, a target of 60 to 70% of debt for that phase two expansion. So I'm just going to throw out a conservative number here, 150 million US. If there's 150 million US to construct, then we will take on 90 million US of debt. It's a lot easier to get debt on favorable terms when you're already producing, you're already operating. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll be able to get debt on more favorable terms. So we don't need to go to the PE guys and, and, and get uh, plus, you know, the double digit. Uh, I think you're going to see single digit uh, interest, uh, plain vanilla type debt. Uh, and, and, and what we're trying to accomplish, again, is trying to get more support from within Mongolia. So the first place we start uh, is in country and see what the commercial banks and the government want to provide. So the government has already given us a 10.5 million U.S. tranche of what we call this lead order or tranche one for this debt. It's sponsored by the central bank, and that's 10.5 million U.S. So we're going we're gonna to try to get another 50 or 60 from within the country if possible, and the rest will come from the Asian bank. In Asian banking community who have a lot of interest in Mongolia's in their own backyard. Okay, and talk to me about yep. the current shareholders because you know they've been sitting in this for a while, two, two, two and a half years, yep. and they you, shares barely moved, right? Um, yep. But you are in production, you are, and you have been in production since last year. But again, the market doesn't seem to care, even in a positive gold environment. What's the problem? What, what, what are they struggling to understand about you guys? Sure, sure. Um, so, so going to the shareholder base, yeah, I think we didn't have. Uh, any uh, additional institutions joined the roster until Eric Sprott, who is an institution, came in last summer. That was that was that was great. Uh, and just recently, we brought Fidelity uh, Investments, who owned I think just uh, just under five percent of our company today. So I was able to arrange a, a block trade to get him in to a, to a bigger position just a couple weeks ago from one of our other friendly investors who didn't need to be in the equity component. You can people can put that together who that is. It's very easy. Uh, so it was a it was a nice friendly transaction. We were able to get a new institution in and I think this year we'll start bringing more. But the problem has been in the last couple of years is people have already been looking at phase one. They've been fixated to saying that these guys are only a three, four or five year heat bleach operation at circa 60,000 ounces. How sexy is that as a producer? You know, so they're not giving us any credit or opportunity for the expiration, which is massive in Mongolia, as we know. So not zero credit for that and zero credit for the phase two. Now we put out a resource report just a couple of weeks ago that showed that there's 1.2 million ounces is now 2.45 million ounces and still shallow at 400 meters. 
now people are starting realizing that, okay, we have a real base. We have a real path to phase two and that can keep growing. So I think now it's just an education process of getting that in front of people. And, and, but I think they're stuck in that short mind life uh, without looking beyond. And so that's, I think a key reason uh, as well as um, uh, people not understanding Mongolia. Well, the amount of people, institutions included who say no to Mongolia and some of them not sure why are you comparing us to Oya Togoi? Are you, are you understanding it's a, that's a, that's a company specific issue, not a country specific issue. Clearly we have the government support. They invested in our company uh, and they're giving us capital to grow. So uh, I think that also is, is, is some of the noise around Mongolia on a project that is massive, too big to fail, but just creates uh, some uh, misconception. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of that's true. I mean, you're, you know, I think a lot of companies, uh, the, the graphs, you know, show them falling away for the last three months because, you know, gold's come off, right? And you've kind of steady state, I suspect. So you're getting a little, you're getting a little bit of credit. Um, mm -hmm. How long is it going to take for people to either, well, how long is it going to take for you to demonstrate that you're going to be able to get in this phase thing to funded? And it's to contribute towards the bottom line in terms of the number of ounces produced. You talk about, you know, somewhere up to 150,000 ounce producer, right? So that's not insignificant. You're going to take notice of that. Um, but how long is that going to take? Uh, you know, are people going to hang around? Or, or some of your current shareholders going to hang around, quite frankly, because they may, t yeah. they may feel that they've been this for far too long already. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, and we get it. Some people are saying, well, you know, it's been two and a half years. We we can we can we can exit and go roll that into some other opportunity. Most of the, most of the capital that came in has always been long term patient capital, just like ourselves. We are large invest uh, owners of our company. Our management and board own almost twenty percent of the company. Uh, have never sold a share, and we're not looking to. We're looking to build a company that has and it does have the opportunity to be a five or, or ten times uh, valuation from where we are today. We really have that opportunity. So most guys will stick around, I think, because we're on the cusp of showing that BFS, which is maybe what, three months, four months away from now, showing the BFS alongside a strong balance sheet with continued cash flow for the next two years while you're building uh, and a debt component alongside that, which shows that you're fully funded now. Uh, I think that will that will that will get peak a lot of people's attention because, uh, you know, a lot of people announce a feasibility study and then take a year six months to a year to get the financing lined up. We are going to move into phase two as soon as we announce that feasibility study. We probably have already started the expansion because we know we already know it's a reality. We already know we have the capital and it'll come in in either tranches or all at once at that point. Isn't that kind of part of what people are worried about? It's slightly unconventional in the sense that you don't necessarily do things in a linear fashion like, you know, most of the market would. Is that thing that worries people? Um, it, for, it obviously hasn't worried the, the the strong institutions that back us who haven't sold <laughs> since, since the last two and a half years. So they've 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 rode this wave with us, good good or bad. Um, for, for people who are looking for conventional um, uh, opportunities, we're not the guys because we do treat this like our own business. We run this like our own business. We're owners. Uh, and sorry, uh, you you can go to another guy who who owns 0.1% of his company and, and draws a salary for the next 20 years. He needs to run his business a lot differently and not take the risk and not be aggressive like we are. And in order to do that, you, there's obviously a lot of pain sometimes to deal with, but most people will get rewarded for that at some point. And that reward could happen this year, the next weeks, months, quarters, or, or soon after. And, and the reward is, is pretty significant, I would say, from, from levels where we're starting as a base. So 
um, yeah, we are unconventional that way. We, we, but that, that's not, I don't think that's a bad thing. Okay. Now, Matt Wood involved, I mean, he's got, we talk about Han, Hanny Cole, he was in that 18 months, did a kind yeah. of flip uh, on that and made it made a stack of money for a lot of people. So nothing wrong with that. Um, does that give some indication of what you're looking to build here? Are you looking to build a significant gold mining business or get it to a point where you can flip it yourselves? So I guess, you know, we're owners, but we're also entrepreneurs. So right price, right time. I think that's that's obviously the opportunity that we can all exit along with our investors who have backed us at the, at the right time and place. And that's certainly not now. But we have the luxury of building a sustainable business that generates cash flow that at some point, let's just call it, you know, three years from now when phase two is online and maybe we've discovered another mine. You're not going to be able to use all that cash. Like there's the, the capital allocation strategy will be: can we can we invest more, buy more in Mongolia? Okay, no, we're not going to go buy another asset outside of Mongolia. That's not what step is. Step is Mongolia. So then you have an ability to return capital to investors. Uh, we are we're also aligned. So you can create a liquidity event for investors that doesn't have to be a trade sale. However, the chances of a trade sale happening in the next three to five years are probably significant as we de-risk and grow the, the, the resource base and the production profile. But guess what? It's not the end of the world. You can you can pay either a dividend policy or a special dividend or a certain percentage of free cash flow. There's other ways for everyone to have a, a significant win in short order, I'd say. Okay, so how do you fund this exploration component? I mean, and how much are you gonna to allocate to it? Because that sometimes gives you the headlines that again, yep. catch the eye. Sure, sure. So this is the first year at ATO and Mung. So ATO and Mung is, is, is one deposit uh, that we've now added Mung, which means silver Mongolian. That's our 2.45 million ounces resource that we just updated, only down to 400 meters. So this year, we're now going to have targets that we're going to step out one, two, and five kilometers from this core deposit. First time ever. We never had the time or money. We have our own cash flow to fund this this time. And we'll also chase it at depth to see where the, where the underground component could come in because th there are higher grade shoots that we haven't even chased yet. And again, it's been a function of resources and how to allocate them. All of our capital for drilling has been extensional or infill drilling. Today, this year, and in a couple of months when we restart, we'll probably drill between 10 to 20,000 meters at ATO and Mung, which will include some of that at depth, new discovery or, or, or extensions, but also for the first time ever, step out because uh, we're on a trend. There's opportunity for new discoveries on the trend as well as uh, you know parallel structures that we've seen already. So the chances are you know we can encounter a lot more. Uh, uh, gold and silver, I guess, or precious metals on this deposit by, you know, exploring for real. And that's, so that's, you know, a budget of, uh, I would say circa, you know, three to $4 million at ATO and Munk. And then we have a second project in the Southwest of the country. So there's zero synergies. I mean, it's 1500 kilometers away, but it's a 14,400 hectare expiration license that has never been drilled. We've had it for three years, but again, we didn't have the time or money to focus on it. Now we did, Groundwork, IP, magnetic soil sampling, and just uh, last fall trenching from surface with, with yielded some very positive and I would say encouraging results. You know, one and a half grams gold, 450 grams silver, 4% copper, I believe, and 3% uh, uh, zinc, I think, off the top of head here. But uh, never been drilled, but drilled around. So that license has been drilled by Erdeen, uh, who've had a lot of success to the north and south, adjoining our license. So it's not like they're, they're nearby, they're next door to the south and north, and we're smack in the middle. So we're, we're mobilizing a drill rig as we speak. So we're hoping in the next you know, two to three weeks, we can announce that we've mobilized our first drill rig down there, and we're gonna start drilling there. And again, 
that will be a 10,000 meter program uh, on the back of hopefully some successful uh, uh, expiration in short order. We'll mobilize more if we need. And, and that, that should be also a 10 to 20,000 meter program down there, uh, which we think is, you know, given what uh, Ardeen has accomplished, that, that could be another mine in, in the future, part of our pipeline. So very excited to get down there because now that's in Slorco in itself. You could roll, you know, companies exist just as that license <laughs> and hoping to hit. So uh, that's very exciting. That's all in one company. Right. So and I know you've got your cash, cash producing at the moment, but how much cash is sitting in the bank at the moment? So we have just over 30 million US on the balance sheet today, you know, somewhere between 30 to 35 million US. That'll continue to grow. So I think this year on a free cash flow basis, uh, let's just assume 50,000 ounces, uh, you, you should be able to generate about uh, 20 to 25 million US free cash flow. So that's net of expiration spend, right? The expiration would be five or six million between the two properties, uh, net of sustaining capex taxes um, and all good stuff. We should have you know, additional cash on our balance sheet which actually, you know, will fund uh, the phase two expansion. Okay, so okay, so you're 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 comfortable. You can move at your own pace. You're not under any pressure yep. uh, from from yep. anywhere else. Okay, fantastic. Why are you listing on the Mongolian stock exchange? Yeah, so for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, again, we always said we would once we, we achieve commercial production. We we consider ourselves a Mongolian company right from day one, right? So we're a Mongolian company listed on the TSX. Our CEO is Mongolian, half our board are Mongolian, and 99% of our staff in country are Mongolian. As we saw how how good that how important that was last year when we wanted to bring production online. Uh, firstly, all of them have shares in the company now. They are they are owners of our company. Um, it'd be nice for them to see. What they're worth because they can't actively trade those shares uh, in, in, in the current situation through the TSX and opening up accounts. So from that perspective, one is, is it's nice for them to see what they own and that there's real value there. So that's 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 important. And second is there's there's demand. There's, it's a lot of demand from within Mongolia to own Mongolian companies or assets. And so this is opening up uh, that channel as well. So I think that'll increase uh, demand and in, in liquidity as well. And it, it's a it's just a great thing to do. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, so on the 2.4 million ounce um, equivalent, I think it's a 2.45 yeah. million ounce equivalent number, isn't it? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Is it, sorry, is that an inferred number? Is, is that an inferred number as well? It's a resources number. So it's, it's, you have measure and indicated there. Right. It's not, it's not, there's no reserve number in there. Okay. Um, this is purely just a, a measure and indicated update with, with some inferred as well. Okay, excellent. And Mainly measured and indicated. So you have about 1.6 million, 1.7 million of measured and indicated gold and another, I think, 20 million plus of silver. What that also includes is leaded zinc. So on, on two of our deposits, uh, as you move off of the trend, ATO 1 and 2, you encounter some lead and zinc. And that's where our flotation circuit will come online as as part of our phase two expansion. And, and, and so there's gonna be value. There's gonna be revenue coming from the base metal side as well uh, on a couple of these deposits at some point in time as we expand. Um, and what's that look like? That, is, that, is, that fairly, is that fairly uh, like homogen, homogenous uh, deposit? And the same, cause I'm trying to work out, cause you've gone from 1.2 to 2.45. And one, you know, you, yeah. you, the pre-phase was done on what, the 1.2 or the whole 2.45? The pre-fees was done in 1.2, the, right, okay. the 2.45 didn't exist. So, so what that included was, so I guess we've had, we've had a couple uh, additions here. So Mung, the new Mung discovery uh, is the first resource ever put on Mung. So there was, when we bought this project, there was never a resource or any technical work completed on the new discovery called Mung. So now we 
we added about 425,000 ounces, give or take, at Munk, down to about 350 meters. So shallow, higher grade, fresh ore deposit. Munk has about 25,000 ounces of oxide from surface down to about eight meters. So not a meaningful oxide addition, but again, we're not there for the oxide. The oxides will, if we can counter more, great. It maybe gives us a further buffer on a mine life if, if it takes longer for phase two, but all that min oxide material will go through phase two anyways, through the CIL plant. So you don't lose it. It's just, you're gonna get higher recoveries and that's why we want to bring phase two online sooner than later, because the oxides only uh, right now in the heat bleach, you get 70% recoveries on the gold and 40 on the silver. Whereas phase two, you're going to end up probably getting 85%, probably 90%, hopefully closer to that for both gold and silver. So, yeah, so that's the one addition. The MUNC has now increased our resource base by adding that. And then ATO4. ATO4 is on the same kind of 20 kilometer mineralized trend here with MUNC. And ATO1 and 2 come off of this structure. And that's where you see base metals. So ATO1 and 2 have base metals. ATO4 and MUNG are just precious metals. And, you know, obviously a lot of opportunity to grow at depth and along trend. So ATO4 is now doubled in size. So, again, additional ounces have come where we reinterpreted the geological model that we acquired. And uh, where, where others said there was a constrained carrot-like pressure pipe, we now have extended it to make it to show a downward plunging component. So that's where really the additional ounces have come from. Doubling the size of ATO4, proven that the model, original model was wrong, and adding Mung into the mix, which okay. is now part of phase two as well. So, so when, when do you know more about the economics around the base metals? Um, I would say probably the next four to eight weeks. So we've, 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 we've been able to get the, you know, again, COVID plays a part in that BFS as well, because getting the samples out of the country when there were no planes coming in or out for months, obviously delayed getting the samples out. But we got the samples out uh, just, over, just just over Christmas into Vancouver or Kamloops, and those, that network is being done now. So my guess in the next month or two, we'll have some of the recovery numbers on the base metals. And then we're going to have updated recovery numbers on the precious metals. So we started from a base. Like I said, Sentara had already done recovery work at ATO 1, 2, and 4, both in the, in the oxides and the sulfides and the base metals. Okay, so you think 2021, it's the bit, bit more consistency with the messaging. Um, you will be able to hit the numbers that you talk to the market about because there's a bit of inconsistency last year for the reasons you've laid out. Um, it's yeah. about gener cash, being cash generative and then you've got a bunch of deliverables there which you think people should start taking notice of. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this year's, I would say even... You know the word transitional is used a lot but even more more so last year we had to establish ourselves as a producer and we did and then regardless of the maybe not hitting the, the aggressive targets we still made money and everyone was happy with that outcome uh, all of our large investors were were more than happy with what we achieved last year i, I can tell you that and, and, and even new investors clearly we've seen that with a, with a new roster this year allows us to be more aggressive in, in terms of growth because we have cash which we did last year we started with a few million in the bank barely uh, scraping by and starting production with no room for error. Now that we have production, now we know how to produce, we can generate cash flow. I think we can hit our targets on phase on, on the oxide mine. Again, that's just a cash machine to get to the bigger you know, beast underneath. And that, that CIL plant creates a lot of uh, consistency because it's not subject to seasonality with the weather, right? It gets, it gets to minus 40 in the winter in Mongolia. So your leaching goes down to, to almost nil for the first, for a couple of months, right? So you get more consistency on that larger production profile as well. Whereas the heat bleaches are known, they can be, 
they can, they can have some of that uh, volatility that we can't always control. But yeah, we're we're still very comfortable. I think in that fifty to sixty, given where we are today, if we think that that might slide by by a little bit, not the end of the world, but we can we can update the market more consistently on where we sit instead of waiting. I think, and that's maybe maybe where the messaging was off. Where in the summer, where we knew the crushing bottleneck was there, and we knew that our expats could not get in the country still, then, you know, maybe we could have uh, maybe updated the messaging a little bit. We did, you know, with our large investors, but maybe to the market could have done a better job of that. We've learned from our mistakes. We learned from a lot, a lot in the last couple of years and even last year. So this year is, is, is action packed. You have production, you, we've doubled, we've shown you, we can double, we've doubled our resource that can continue to grow. It's still open at depth and, and, and on trend and still the ability to, 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 to discover new deposits, hopefully on the same footprint. Um, we have expiration start for the first time ever. I mean, drilling start for the first time ever on a much lar- on a larger project in a in a in a, in a highly prospective area. Uh, so that's that's something brand new that's coming in the mix. We have a BFS, and we'll have construction start of our phase two, all within the next kind of three to six months. So uh, I mean, that's 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 a lot on our plate, but it's uh, it's exciting, and we now have the strength to do all that and 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 more. And and my more. It means uh, hopefully we can we can maybe acquire an asset or two in this year as well in country. Uh, we we have the advantage of execution. We have the the, the backing of, of of locals, province, and obviously the the federal government, being a, being an owner in our company or investor in our company. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't have the competition because people can't get in and out of the country as yet. So we have that we have that advantage to assess and negotiate with our local teams uh, on opportunities. So we're hoping, hopefully we can grow with some bolt on opportunities, whether they're exploration or advanced uh, or development opportunities in country. So Fantastic. I'm glad you said that about the heat leach and obviously, you know, Canadian, Canadian companies suffer from the same thing, you know, in, uh, in winter too, you know, yeah. the ability to recover does dramatically get affected. So no, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah. Lots to look forward to uh, this year. I'll tell you what, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. I appreciate the um, honesty um, and assessment that you've given us today. We'll speak soon, okay? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.